Hello, friends. Welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Graham, a certified brand strategist and business coach. You might be wondering, why the second phase? The second phase may be a change in careers and learning how to navigate the world of entrepreneurship, a significant lifestyle change, going from stay-at-home parent to starting a business, a traumatic loss, a move, or an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition, you are here to discover your second phase. Learn about creating a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact. To grow as your authentic selves and follow your callings, values, visions, and passions. And to learn how to build a solid foundation for long-term brand and business success. Through interviews and solo episodes, we'll be diving into inspiring stories, life and business journeys of failure and success, and the strategies and tools used along the way. You ready to learn? Grab your coffee, the car keys, or the dog's leash, and let's dive in to this episode. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Second Phase Podcast. Do you sometimes feel stuck, overwhelmed in your business and think, I wish there was an easier way? As entrepreneurs, this is common, and we begin to question our abilities. But the real problem is not a lack of drive or ability but a lack of foundational systems that support the day-to-day operations of a scaling business. Two of those systems are onboarding and offboarding clients. Today's guest is a director of operations and a genius when it comes to foundational systems and finding the best way to do things to save time, money, and avoid frustration. Are you ready to rock the onboarding and offboarding processes of your clients to make scaling easier? Let's learn how. Kristen Westcott, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. Thank you, Robin. I'm delighted to be here today. Well, I'm delighted to have you. And I'm really thrilled to talk about onboarding and offboarding because I think it's something that we sometimes overlook how easy having processes in place can make our day-to-day and how much time and energy and frustration it can save. So I'm really excited to have you share how important these processes are and give us some key tips, tricks, whatever, to having those processes in place and what we need to do to be able to have them in place efficiently. But before we dive into all of that, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners. I gave a teeny tiny little bit of information about you, but I would love for you to share where you're from and just a little bit about you as a person and how you navigated your career journey to end up where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Kristen and I live in Niagara Falls, Ontario. So just north of New York, for those of you who might be trying to figure out where that's situated. And I started, I guess my first phase would be back when I was in the corporate space and I was a learning skills strategist at my local university. And so what I did was I worked with the students and faculty, you know, doing workshops and helping them really kind of figure out how to set goals and how to break down that writing process and really how to find their level of success at the university. And then during the time I was working there, I went off to have one of my children and I really struggled with postpartum depression after both of my children. And the second time it was 
even worse than the first, which is common. And I was seeking medical help and I went to therapy. And one of the things that my therapist challenged me to do was to find a hobby. (laughs) And I thought, as a new mom, what a weird challenge. But, you know, I went and I hit up Google and I was trying to figure all of that out. And, you know, obviously I was Googling different ways to try and heal postpartum depression in the natural way. And whatever I was punching into Google brought up ads targeting me for health coaching. And I thought, oh, what? Like a unique thing. Like, what is this? And so I actually made a decision to get certified as a health coach. And after that, I got certified as a life coach. And that was my entrance into the online world and this idea of entrepreneurship that I hadn't previously even really thought about what that existed or what that could look like. And from there, I decided to to go and start a health coaching and life coaching business on the side of my corporate position as a way to kind of help heal myself, but also help other moms trying to figure out how on earth to navigate this world of motherhood and career and all of the things and responsibilities that they had in the home. And so because I was so new to business, I naturally joined a whole bunch of courses and a bunch of different Facebook groups. And what I found was that I was spending most of my time helping those women in those Facebook groups figure out how to get their businesses going off the ground. And so after about six months of doing that, I had no clients, I had no money coming in, and I had to really kind of sit and think, what is happening here? And that's when I realized this was actually the perfect mesh of the strategy work that I'd been doing in the corporate space for students on goal setting and breaking down projects into manageable pieces in the entrepreneur online space. And so that's how I shifted into doing what I'm doing today. From there, I got certified as a director of operations and I began supporting people in the back end of their business. So they did all the marketing. They were the front face of their business, but I helped them get their projects organized, their team organized, you know, figuring out their processes, getting those systems in place so that they didn't feel so frantic in trying to do all of the things that was required to kind of run and grow their online business. And so that's kind of been my journey into this new phase of, you know, what it is I want to do and what it is I want to be. And it has provided me with some healing on my own health side, um, the flexibility I was longing for as a new mom, and also a job or employment that I am really, really excited about to do each day. So that's just a little bit. I love that. And I I love how you took a negative situation and created so much positive around it, not only for yourself, but to also help others find that too. Your heart is clearly in a good place. (laughs) Yeah, it was quite a journey. And, And whether a mom has experienced postpartum depression or not, the challenges of this new reality and this big shift in your identity really can make you struggle in a variety of different ways. And so I love being able to support women and helping them figure out how to navigate it for themselves, because there's a lot of shoulds out there from society about what we as women should be doing. And it's individual for everybody. And so I really kind of help them figure out what it is they want for themselves and what it is they want out of their business, out of their life, out of their version and journey in motherhood. And then we piece together a plan for them to be able to kind of execute that without feeling overwhelmed. So there's a mix of life coaching in there with the business strategy. I love that. And that's similar, I guess, to what I do, but I mean, we work on totally different things. I'm more the brand marketing strategy and you're more the operation side of it. But I think it's really important to have the mix of the personal, mental mindset, health alongside the business strategy, because they go hand in hand. And if our mindset is not in the right place, we're questioning ourselves or we're questioning our own internal stability. How are we going to move forward with these, you know, strategies that 
have to be in place efficiently in order for us to be successful. So I love what you're doing. And I'm a systems, I guess I could say a systems geek a little bit. Like I love to have processes in place. I love to have everything automated to make everything so simple. But sometimes we get hung up on what systems to use and how to create an effective process. And I know for each one of my clients, they're in different places in their business and different points in their business. But it's so important to have that baseline foundation to get yourself set up so that things can flow naturally and progress naturally to different levels and and new landscapes as far as scaling and getting more clients. So I'm really excited to have you tell us a little bit more about that. And the one thing that you say, and I, I mentioned this in the intro, is that, you know, when you say the biggest problem isn't a lack of driver ability, but a lack of foundational systems. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So a lot of times I'm, I'm encountering women that are feeling really stuck, right? And they're not sure, do I want to continue with this? Do I want to kind of give up? Like, where where am I at in my life? I deal with entrepreneurs, but this can apply to women who are in corporate, right? You're just kind of feeling stuck. And it's not that you lack drive or lack ambition. And a lot of times we can internalize that and be like, there's something wrong with me. I must not be doing this right because other women seem to have it all together. Other women seem to be able to handle this. And so my point is that it's not that lack of drive. It's not that lack of ambition. What it is, is it's a lack of systems supporting you in your endeavors, And so when I work with entrepreneurs, when I talk about the foundational systems, I'm talking about systems that are supporting the financial parts of their business, the client services part of their business, right? Depending on what type of business they're running, those foundational systems will be different. But if you lack those foundational systems, that can make you feel really overwhelmed, really frantic. Like you don't know what your next step is going to be. Like you can't keep up with everything. And when you can get those foundational systems in place and get some of those things running on autopilot, then that can really free up that mental space and that mental energy for you to realize it's not you. You're just lacking a system. And that is an easy, easy thing to fix. Mm, I love that. And I love easy fixes. <laughs> so let's start by talking about onboarding. And before we jump into onboarding, I really want you to tell us when does the onboarding process begin? Because I think there is confusion with that. I think it happens long before somebody signs their contract with you. So I would love for you to start from square one, tell us when that onboarding process should begin, and then help us with what we need to have in place to make that onboarding process smooth sailing. All right. I love that you brought that up because you're right. So many people think that onboarding is when the client signs the contract and kind of going from there, but it starts right before that, especially if you want to create a a stellar customer experience, right? So from the very first time that they interact with you, that they feel seen and loved and heard and appreciated, and they know that they're going to be taken care of in the best possible way by interacting with you. And that starts back when you initially want to start having that conversation about what it might look like to work together. So this can happen on social media. Maybe you're you're DMing them. Maybe they've sent you an email. Whatever that looks like, when they're initially reaching out to you to say, hey, 
I think that you might be able to help me with this problem that I'm having. That's the start of your onboarding process. And what we want to do is we want to make sure, A, we have a system in place to be able to respond to that quickly. So if it's an email, right, do you have a way that your emails are sorted or tagged in your inbox so that you see those ones first, right? Those become your important priority emails that you're going to be responding to right away, rather than getting lost in the sea of other emails that, you know, might be taking up your inbox. If it's a social media prompt, if you have, you know, an assistant supporting you with social media, what is your, you know, your system between you and that assistant for them to know when to contact you, which ones you need to respond to, making sure that information gets to you so you can have that personal interaction with that potential client. So that's kind of the very start of it is making sure they get to speak with you and that that response is relatively quick. Right. I'm not saying do this on evenings and weekends, whatever, because we do want to hold those boundaries, but that you are not leaving them hanging for several days without them wondering if you're ever going to respond to their email and if you actually do even really want to work with them. Right. So that's, I would say, the, the initial piece. I love that. Yeah. And so from there, you're going to, whatever your process is. So I like to have calls with the, with my potential clients. And so whether you call this a discovery call or a clarity call or or whatever it is you want to call it, I like to have some sort of conversation with them so I can really find out what it is that they're struggling with and make sure that we are the right fit. I wouldn't ever want to bring somebody into working with me if it wasn't the service I offered wasn't what actually they actually needed to solve that problem. So I like to have that kind of discussion because this is where if you don't have that discussion, then you can have people that are dissatisfied or you get mm-hmm. those refund requests or your client experience just seems like a struggle for everybody involved because right up front, you weren't on the same page about what the problem was and how you might be able to solve that problem for them. And so that call is really, really important in my onboarding process so that we can really get that clarity. But here's the thing I see with so many people is they go back and forth in email or DM several times trying to set up that initial call, right? And so there's like, okay, how about Tuesday at two o'clock? And oh, no, I can't. How about Thursday at this time? Oh, that doesn't work for me. And they go back and forth several times. They finally arrive on a time only to realize that they were talking about different time zones the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it takes a lot of time and energy to go back and forth. And that client or that potential client is now starting to lose a little bit of excitement by going back and forth through that administrative process that nobody really enjoys. And so it starts right there is having some kind of call scheduler where you can say, I would love to hop on a call with you. Here's the the link. Go ahead and book a, a time that works for you and that's convenient for you. Meanwhile, all the slots in there work for you because otherwise you wouldn't have put them in there. And so it's a great mm-hmm. way to kind of phrase that with that client to say, let's find something that works best for you and get on the calendar and really kind of have that kind of conversation. And these systems out there, there's several of them that are free. You don't have to necessarily pay for a really high-end onboarding system. You can have just a a free calendar link. So I'm not sure which ones you recommend, Robin, but I like Acuity or Calendly. Mm -hmm. Both of them have free options. Both of them integrate with Google Calendar and iCalendar and several of the other calendar systems that you might already be using. And it just really is a nice way to make sure that they're able to get on your calendar. And then those systems send them reminder emails. Mm -hmm. So not only do they book, but then they get a reminder email that can go out 24 hours ahead, an hour ahead, sends them the call link, right? So that person isn't scrambling once they've booked the call with you to remember when it is, how are you going to connect? Where's the link that got lost in their email or maybe somewhere in the DMs, right? All of this is happening in a nice, really succinct 
way through this system. And like I said, both Calendly and Acuity have free options. Mm -hmm. I happen to use Calendly. And what I love about it so very much is that I can create questions in the document so I can ask people right up front all the information that I want to know to be prepared for that discovery call so that I'm going in with knowledge. I already know or have an idea of what this person is interested in or what their problem is so that I can be more, I guess, mindful whenever I am speaking with them and I'm prepared. So that decreases anxiety and worry and all of those kind of things as well. So to me, that's a huge bonus. And then, like you said, for that follow-up, you know, if you automate that, you can do that right in that calendar. Well, at least in Calendly, you can. And I think Acuity is the same way. You can then have your follow-up message right there. So, you know, an hour after the call is scheduled or a day after, you can set that up, customize it, and then send out a thank you email after the call. So it really decreases your time as far as follow-up goes. But most importantly, is that front-end piece where you know, you're know you really genuinely prepared before you even get on the call with the person and you've made it easier for them. I've found that more people schedule when you use those tools than if you're trying to go back and forth. And like you said, you can definitely have someone lose interest because they're frustrated from the get-go. And so then they're going to think, well, if it's this hard to schedule with her, how hard is it going to be to work with her? So I love, I love all this because I have found that it's so important. It makes my life so much easier and my client and clients and potential clients life so much easier. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you mentioned. So that was the the next piece is once you get this scheduler is to really kind of think about what kinds of information do I need from them before I get on this call? So you mentioned you have kind of like an intake form or a little questionnaire they fill out ahead of time. And this is really important. The other thing I want people to think about is don't just put random things in there, right? Put things that are really going to be important for you to know before you get on this call and make them easy for the client to answer. Because remember, they're booking this before they've had any kind of verbal interaction with you, any kind of actual conversation. And so you don't want to make it a form that's going to take them 30 to 40 minutes to fill out. We want to make sure that the information on there is easy for them to to do and is relevant to what you need. You don't need their whole life history. You probably just need a couple of key points about where they're struggling right now. And many of these forms allow you to use like multiple choice options or checkbox for them to be able to check all that apply. And so I would really look at the services that you offer or the packages or whatever that is. And look at pulling out some of that language or that information about what it is they might be interested in or what it is that might apply to them so that as you get on the call, you can get a little bit more of an idea about where they might be headed and what you might potentially be offering them at the end of that call. So a lot of times we want to go into the call with one or two options about where we think we might be going with this client. And then when you finish that call, you'll know which one um, is the better one for you to offer. But that will give you a little bit of a leg up as to how you might position what it is that you offer in relation to their challenges. Absolutely. I love that. It's so important and it makes everybody's life easier, which is to me, the most critical thing about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so then you're going to get on that call. And like you said, you're going to, you know, do your whatever sales call process. And afterwards you're going to be able to have a follow-up email, go out, thanking them for their time, you know, asking them if they have any questions that they need clarified saying, you know, I realize sometimes we think about things after we get off the call with someone, don't hesitate to shoot me an email. I'm happy to, you know, address any more questions that you have. 
depending on your process, you might also say, if I don't hear from you in the next 48 hours, you'll hear from me again. Just know I'm going to send you another email just to check in with you and see where you're at, right? So a lot of times, depending also on what your services are, you might give the client a little bit of time to think about it. One of the most common objections we hear is I have to speak with my partner, you know, and so if those are the things that you can prepare for ahead of time in your, you know, your onboarding sequence, you can have that email ready to go out after the call to say, I know you're going to be taking a little bit of time to think about this. You know, I'm going to follow up with you in 48 hours just to check and see where you're at and, and, you know, and see what kind of questions you might still have for me. And that will automatically go out and then you can be prepared to follow up with that client in a couple of days and, you know, hopefully answer whatever questions are needed to be able to close them on the sale. Right. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it's what people expect, right? The contract. And, you know, if you have an actual then intake form for your client, depending on what your services are going to be, maybe depending, like if you're a graphics person, you might have a portal that you need to kind of set up or a shared drive or a shared folder, all of this kind of stuff, you're going to know what your next steps are. And you can then create that step for you or your assistant to go through and say, okay, send the contract. And then once the contract's signed, these are the four steps we need to have happen. We need to create this drive. And then you can have an email template ready to go to say, because you know, for each client, they're going to have this folder, they're going to have, you know, these three pieces, that all you have to do is then go in and insert the link for them. So you can personalize it to them, you can give them like a little personalized note at the beginning. But the rest of that email is going to be ready to go within your system setup. And you don't need to have a fancy email software. If you have Gmail, you can set up templates right? And then you'll be able to go and pull up that template and just insert the links and send it off in a fraction of the time, as opposed to if you are rewriting that email from scratch every single time that you're onboarding a client. Yeah, I love that. I think templates are huge. I have so many (laughs) that I pull from. But so when you talk about like Gmail and templates, what do you mean by that? Like I use Active Campaign. I love Active Campaign, but it is a little bit pricey. So but I have everything, either my emails go out from Calendly, my scheduling tool, or people go into an automation through active campaign. So what do you mean by Gmail? So a lot of times, again, this depends on what type of work you're doing. If you are doing group programs and whatever, I highly recommend you use active campaign or convert kit or whatever email service provider you have and create a group and then send them all the information that way. But if you're a one-on-one person, I like to just send my emails just directly from my Gmail. And so Mm -hmm. I have my domain email forwarded to my Gmail so I can use Gmail to respond from my domain email. And so then in Gmail, I have templates set up in there to say, you know, initial email after contract signed or email with homework or whatever that happens to be. And then I have those set up as templates that all I have to do is go in and add a personalized blurb for my one-on-one client. Because if someone's paying me for one-on-one work, that is high-end work, right? Mm -hmm. That is not a group program. That is not a a done for you or, you know, just a course that they've picked up on Kajabi where they have no interaction with me. They are getting, you know, VIP service. And so I want to make sure that I am tailoring each of my communication with them to be personal to what we've kind of talked about on our last call. So I set up that template with the bulk of the pieces in there and some spaces for me to insert that personalization, which I think is a big myth for a lot of people is they think if I automate everything, then I become robotic to my clients. But that's not the case. There are so Mm -hmm. many different ways that you can personalize your onboarding experience, even if you're using automations and even if you're using a system to support you in that. 
Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I think you have to think about time and efficiency because at the end of the day, time is our biggest commodity, right? And it's the most limited thing that we have. So to look at that and think how we can save time, then we can serve better because we're not as stressed about that time. So I think that's a great suggestion. And I I love it because I do it too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anything else as far as the onboarding process goes? Well, I mean, there's so many things I could talk about, but I have put together a checklist for your listeners. And so they'll be able to grab an onboarding and offboarding checklist, which will have those details and they can just print that checklist off and use it each time, or they can put it into a system and save themselves some time. But regardless, they'll have, they'll have that for them and they can kind of go through that. So depending again, you might put together a welcome package, which has some more details. I think it's really great in the onboarding phase. So whether you do this through an email, a welcome packet or a welcome call, Call, whatever that looks like for you, is to really clarify the boundaries and the expectations of what's happening going forward. Because again, this is the initial part where they're working with you and you want to make sure you're setting yourself and your client up for success going forward. So some of the things you might talk about are best ways to communicate with you, right? Do you prefer email? Do you prefer Voxer? Are you going to be using Slack? What is the way that you're going to be communicating with this client so that they're not running around DMing you on Facebook and Instagram and messaging you and email and trying to get a hold of you in all these different ways when they know the best way to kind of get a hold of you. And then setting parameters around, these are my office hours. This is when you can expect to hear back from me. You know, if you email me at 7 p.m., you know, I'm not going to get back to you until the next day, or I don't work weekends or whatever that looks like for you. So that right up front, your client knows when they can expect to hear back from you and what the best way to kind of get a hold of you is. And so that's just kind of one thing is kind of setting those boundaries or saying like, I don't use DMs for client contact. That's my personal space. And so please, you know, keep all of your communication with me in this particular channel. And that keeps you from getting frustrated with your client as well, that they're not doing what it is you'd like them to do because you need to communicate that to them ahead Mm -hmm. of time because they've probably worked with several different people and everybody's got a different way that they like to work with somebody. So letting them know that sets them up for success and then letting them know some of the expectations around what you need from them you know, the commitment you need from them, depending on what you're doing. So again, this will look different. If you're a coach, you might need them to commit to doing the work in between. You might need them to commit to having an open mind about new things and not entering the space with that. I've done this before kind of thought. If you're a service provider, you might need to set boundaries and expectations around turnaround times, around numbers of revisions, around what information you need back from them within deadlines, around what happens if they miss a deadline, right? Like it depends on your type of business, but you'll need to kind of set some of those expectations so that as you're working with them over the next several weeks or possibly months, you're not getting frustrated with each other because that person isn't getting you what you need or they're not fulfilling their end of the bargain. And so I think it's really great to have this conversation at the beginning and you can set it in a positive way and make sure that they know it's for their benefit as much as it is for yours so they can get the most out of their investment and really kind of setting it off on a positive note. If you have a group program that you are running, I think this is also a really great time to have those conversations about how we interact with each other as members. You know, setting aside 
your core values, right? Letting them know what your core values are and your expectations for the program. This is a great space to have that conversation about diversity and inclusion, about the language that we use in this space, you know, kind of whatever kind of parameters you want to set around that group interaction. It's a great time to have that at the very beginning. So like having a kickoff call or a welcome call or a meet and greet or whatever you want to call it. You can set that up into your onboarding process so that everybody really is on the same page and you can really then have a fantastic time and really, truly enjoy being with your client the rest of the duration of your time together. Oh, I love that. Such, such great information. So Kristen, how can the listeners access that checklist? So you can go to kristenwestcott.com forward slash second phase and second phase is all one word. So. I will put that link in the show notes so everyone can just click and go access it very easily and efficiently, just like we've been talking about. So is it time to move on to offboarding? Absolutely. Are you ready to start the second phase of your career journey? Do you feel like you are drowning in and overwhelmed with information about becoming an entrepreneur? Do you wish someone could just give you the step-by-step playbook and hold your hand through the whole process and save you time, money, and energy? Are you frustrated with your lack of progress and wish there was an easier way to grow an audience or scale your business? Maybe you already have a business, but you're stuck, not growing and not getting the clients you dreamed of. In my one-to-one six-month coaching program, we will work together to identify your niche and ideal audience, discover clarity and confidence, differentiate you from all others in your area of expertise, all while working on mindset. You'll walk away after six months with a strong foundation for brand and business success. You'll have access to my templates, learn email marketing, Pinterest marketing, how to blog. We'll review your website copy, and you'll even get an intro to SEO and so much more. Don't have a website? Don't worry. Through my boutique brand agency, my team and I build brands and launch businesses. You can think of it as a brand in a box. We do it all for you and with you. No need to get multiple estimates and work with people all over the place. It's one-stop shopping. After six months, you'll be able to launch or relaunch your business with confidence and be on the fast track for success. No more overwhelm, frustration be gone. When you hire me as your business coach, you don't have to build a business alone. You don't have to fail your way forward. No longer do you have to overinvest and settle for minimal results. Let me help and guide you step-by-step, piece-by-piece to create a long-term foundation for success and a thriving, profitable business. And let's have fun while we build it. To apply and connect to see if we're a good fit for each other, visit my website, therobingraham.com forward slash brand and business coach. I look forward to learning more about your goals and dreams and helping you make them a reality. Okay. So Kristen, can we get some great details on an offboarding process and what an offboarding process entails? Absolutely. So this is also in the checklist as well. And so if you're somebody who needs to kind of see things visually as well as hear them, make sure you go and grab that checklist. But a lot of times we will talk about onboarding and people will have an onboarding process, but they completely forget about that offboarding process. And there's a couple of reasons why this is really important. One of the things is your current clients are very likely to be repeat clients or fantastic referrals for your future clients. 
And so a lot of the times what we remember about working with someone is the very beginning when our first interaction with them, how easy it was, how wonderful it was, which is why our onboarding is important, but also our last interaction with them. How did we leave things off? How did we end things? How did we kind of wrap things up? And so that's why the offboarding is really important. It's kind of like when you wrap up a gift, right? You take your time, you pick the perfect gift for somebody. And then the offboarding is like putting that final bow on it, that finishing touch before you kind of hand it over to that person. And so in our business, this can look like things like asking for testimonials, right? Asking them to share about their experience. This might be setting them up for the next phase of what is next? Okay, so now we've done this work together. Here's the next step for you. The next step might be your next level program or a next way to work with you. And that's completely fine to bring that to their attention because if it serves them best, you want to make sure that they know that that's available. But let's say you don't have anything coming next and you're like, this is it, right? (laughs) This is all we got. So that's the part where you can say, okay, so now you've got these things in order for you to keep the momentum going or in order for you to kind of continue with your progress. Or now that you have this wonderful graphic, Here's the next couple of things you should do and really setting them up for success to continue. And so letting them know their next two or three steps after this is finished as to what they can kind of do to really keep going, to really keep that excitement and keep that momentum and success happening for them. That way they also don't feel like they've been dropped like a hot potato. Like here's our final call. Goodbye. See you later. Have a nice life, right? You're really wrapping it up and saying, okay, I know our time together is finished and I have this option where we can continue in this way. If that's not right for you, This is another way that you can really continue to work through some of these things on your own. And so that's a great thing to do. One common mistake I see from people is they will ask for feedback at the same time they ask for a testimonial. And while it might seem like a great idea at the time, you have to think when we think feedback, we're thinking about letting that person know ways that they can improve upon the experience, which means our brain is often switching into that critical mode, not Mm -hmm. necessarily negative, but just kind of a way that we're not necessarily thinking about all the wonderful things. And so if you ask for a testimonial at the same time that you ask for that feedback, your testimonial is likely going to be tainted with their thoughts about that feedback, or it's going to fall a little bit flat because they're not as excited about it. So what I often recommend is getting that testimonial a couple of weeks before you actually finish. So your offboarding process might start, let's say if you have a 12-week container with with a client, it might start at week nine or 10, where you're really asking them to get some of these things, really asking them because often week nine or 10 is really that turning point for them, right? Really, they're seeing that success and that momentum. Things are coming together. Things are clicking that is a great time to get the testimonial. You don't have to wait until you've finished and send it to them a week later when they've forgotten about how excited they were. Grab it in the moment when it's the most exciting part or the most pivotal part of your program. So that's the first thing. And then at the end, you know, a week later, you can ask for that feedback, but making sure you're not doing it at the same time so that you can really get that juicy testimonial that really highlights what they were experiencing when they were in your program. Oh, I love that. I think that's my favorite tip of the day. And then one of the other things you can do at the very end too is, again, depending on your business, you might have a referral program, right? Or an affiliate program or something like that. Making sure to let them know that that's available. Saying, you know, if you do think of somebody who would be a great fit for, you know, doing what we just did together, I do have a partner program and, you know, this is the incentive or whatever as an opportunity. The other thing I've seen people do maybe in the product space or in the service deliverable space, like a copywriter or a graphic designer is to offer kind of like a coupon code saying your next project 
I'll give you $100 off or $200 off, depending on the size of your packages, just to incentivize them to return to you the next time they need to have some kind of work done. And you can say, you know, this is good for six months or three months or Again, depending on the type of person you're working with, like if they're launching a program, maybe six months is a good time frame because they might relaunch something new six months down the road or something like that. So keeping those things in mind based on what you're doing as a way to incentivize your clients to return because they've had such a great experience with you, you want to kind of give them that as well. So those are just a kind of a couple of things you want to remember in our offboarding process. And then, like I said, wrapping it up with a nice little bow. And so For coaching clients, I like to give them like a quick rundown and I do this in email. It doesn't take me very long because as I'm working with my clients over the time frame, I'm always making notes. Mm -hmm. And so I grab a few of the highlights of like, oh my goodness, during our time together, these are some of the amazing things that you've accomplished. And I'll list like six to 10 things in there, likely something from each week as a reminder when we're wrapping up of all of the wonderful things that they have been able to do. And so again, it's that nice way to remind them of what they have actually been able to achieve during your time together. You know, if you are somebody who does graphics or something like that, you can say, I know we've delivered things to you over the last three months, but here's a folder with all of them together. So you can go ahead and download all of your assets from this one folder, really making it nice and easy for your client to get that final piece and that final part of working with you really easy and really kind of pull it all together for them, I think is a really nice way. If you do service work, like sometimes I will set up people's project management software for them. ClickUp is my favorite project management software, but it can be overwhelming to some people. And so when I finish that, I will send them several videos at the end saying, okay, here I am in your system. And the first one might be a walkthrough of where everything is. And the second one might be how to use this template I've created. And so I'll send them about five or six different tutorials specific to their board. So these aren't things that I've just put on YouTube for everybody. This is specific to the client. And then they know that even when they're done working with me, they still have that piece that they can refer back to if they're like, oh, I forget how to go about and add this piece in, or I forget how to make that change to my email marketing system. You can go ahead and have all of that together. And so I think that's a wonderful way for you to be able to kind of wrap things up with that nice little bow as part of your offboarding process if you have done some kind of service or tech setup for someone. Oh, I love that. That's a great idea. I know for me, for my clients, like I'm constantly doing videos for them on how to to set something up or how to, you know, use a specific platform, like maybe it's Pinterest or maybe it's Canva or whatever. And those videos, they're like little gems that they can hold on to forever and always refer back to. So it's I, I love that. It's such a great tip. Kristen, you have given us so much information today. I am super excited to share this episode because I think there are so many little facets to the onboarding and offboarding processes that we don't necessarily think about on a day-to-day basis. So thank you for sharing your wisdom, your zone of genius with us. I truly appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It's been my pleasure. I love talking about this stuff. So thank you for giving me an opportunity to do that. Yeah, well, it's so helpful and it's stuff that we don't think about, like I said earlier, on the day-to-day. So it's important to have this reminder and I think it's going to help a lot of people. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, will you please tell the listeners how they can connect with you, find you, learn more about you, maybe even hire you? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the place I hang out most is on Instagram. And so you can find me on Instagram at Kristen.Westcott. So there's just a period between my first and my last name there. That's where I hang out most. And I would love to interact with you in the DMs. I love getting audio messages because I get to hear your voice and I get to hear, you know, like your excitement about something that you heard on the episode. So I would absolutely love that. The other place, if you would love to work with me and you maybe you're interested in me me doing a ClickUp setup or something that you might have heard on this episode about going through your onboarding experience, you can find information about my services on my website at kristenwestcott.com. And if you grab that onboarding and offboarding checklist, you'll be hearing from me in email as well. And so that's a great way for us to also stay connected. All the replies to those emails go directly to my inbox. And so we'll be able to kind of continue a conversation that way as well. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kristen. Thank you. And that's a wrap, friends. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review. That would mean the world to me. If you know someone who could use the information shared today, please share the episode with them too. And let's connect. You can find me on Instagram, Clubhouse, Facebook, and LinkedIn as The Robin Graham. Lastly, if you'd like more information on personal branding and brand marketing strategies, be sure to join my email list and the Female Entrepreneur Insider Facebook group. We are there every week with tips and trainings to help you build a solid foundation for brand and business success. And don't forget, on the website, you can find a plethora of free resources. Go to therobingraham.com forward slash resources and download any of the free resources that I have created to help you build a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact. Until next time, remember to smile.